Hello and welcome to Stand Up World, episode 61. Thank you for tuning in. This is a good show. We have probably one of the great comedians working today that I think you're going to really enjoy. We've got a lot to talk to him about. And we have from Boston, our producer, Patrick Arnold, part of the CETA program for young juvenile delinquents working their way into the entertainment industry. He got caught shoplifting, didn't you? Is that what happened? Is that how you got into this program? Yeah, it was one of those... Uh... One of those like stories, like it was the face of that story you hear from Target now, where you I tried shoplifting from those uh, self checkout, got over ten thousand yeah. dollars, and they hit me with the big lawsuit. So, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, you were trying to steal one of those swimsuits where you can tuck your tuck yourself, the trans yep. swimsuits, right? Yep, and the underwear. Yeah, whatever that else. Makes the, the shell, that makes yep. sense. Yeah, yep, that's all right. We let it all hang out in this show here, Patrick. Just be you. Just be pun you. Intended. No pun intended. But no, he's a fine producer, folks. If you're a regular listener of this show, you know Patrick keeps the trains running on, not on time. <laughs> but uh, so what's going on? I uh, I just saw a thing on uh, the news right before he came on that, that Kamala Harris, is that her? Is it Kamala? Is it Kamala or Kamala? Uh, I don't know. I've heard both. I honestly don't know it well enough to have a definitive answer. She says she's, she's ready to serve. And I personally don't think she should serve. I think, you know, she should be able to just pay a fine, but I don't think she should have to serve. She's ready, apparently, to go to jail. So <laughs> I just saw the headline. But anyway, you oh, know, and the, the other thing is, I, what I will say is, a lot of people get down on Kamala. And it says a lot about our society that we're basically don't like someone because she laughs too much. You know, we're just, we're just, she's too goddamn happy to be the president. Okay, we are not going to take four years of someone who just is laughing all the time. Such a good point. And on the other hand, it's just like, hey. If you're in that job and you know all those things that those people know and you find anything funny, you must be stupid as hell. (laughs) Also a good point. Yeah. You know, right. And um, I mean, seriously, though, they gave her AI. They let her run AI for a while. Yeah. Although that might have been something I read wrong. It might. They were letting AI run her. (laughs) Right. But. I don't know. What's your take on her, Patrick? Because. Oh, I don't know. I think she's like a. uh, What's the word? Almost like an alien, I guess. Every time I see her, she just doesn't seem like she's real. Any reaction, any... I think they're going to take her out in the same rowboat they took Fredo out in. (laughs) Come on. Kamala, we want to take you fishing. Right. Yeah, every time she... her Her laugh is so weird and maniacal, you know? Very funny. She's obviously stolen some some kind of canister from her dentist office. <laughs> yeah, or two. Anyway, so our guest today is my good buddy Sam Tripoli, who is quite the character. I love this guy, and if uh, he was in the Comedy Store documentary, that's where I first met him. But he has, I think he has 11,000 podcasts that he's running at any current time. He has more theories and conspiracy ideas and takes and opinions on the world than any one human being. I don't even know how he sleeps. 
<laughs> yeah, how does he keep it all straight? Yeah. He's a funny, funny guy. And he's just a great guy. I really love him. Let's just get him going. Ready? Let's do it. Sam Tripoli. Sam Tripoli. How are you, man? Yes. I'm here. We did this. Sam, you're it's good to be here. Thanks for you're, you're thanks for having best. me on your show, Mike. I love you, buddy. Well, it's important to me to have you on the show because, you know, this this podcast that I'm doing is so much about the art and the craft and the world of stand up comedy. And I feel like love what it. you're doing is such an important part of it. And you're you're such a unique voice and such a such a strong voice and and. and you make me laugh my ass off. And, but more than that, I feel like just let me let me just say this. There's a there's a really unique time that we're in in the world that there is a group of comedians that are boldly talking to people and letting people talk that in a way that in a time when the mass media has just abdicated their responsibility to tell the truth. There's Joe Rogan. There's, I, I think Dave Smith is doing a great job. Uh, I think Bill Maher is actually coming to the party sometimes lately. In a Slowly, really cool, but he is. In a really cool way. But I put you way up in that category, you know? And, and I think, you know, there are just times when people are learning so much and I'm, I know I'm forgetting a few people and I'll, it'll come to me in a second. I, I, I where people are learning Russell so Brand much. Russell Brand is doing a great Russell job. Brand, Russell, wait, who yeah. else? Did I who, who else? Uh, there's Russell Brand. I mean, the Legion of Skanks, you mentioned the Dave Legion, Smith, but absolutely. the Legion of Skanks are like a big part of the truth and political and just not playing the game of political correctness. They 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 really went through it in New York, you know. So yeah, yes. I, I yeah, even I, Colin I Quinn, even Colin Quinn, who you know, I mean, and I don't say that comedians I think there was a period where comedians were afraid and they're not afraid anymore. And if they are, they're just they're they're not important. And and there and, and even and I uh, Jimmy Dore I forgot Jimmy Dore oh, yeah. one hundred percent you know Doing the and, Lord's but, work but he, but even people comics on the left you know like Pat Oswald and and there's a few guys they're they're speaking their truth and they're telling their truth and I think it, it's people trust comedians more than they trust the media and I put you way in there and I, and I'm so glad so proud of what you're doing I'm sorry thank to you buddy. No, it was great. I love you very much. I owe you so much of my life. I can't express it in other things that we've done in our life. So I love you very much. And everything you say means a lot to me. And I come to you today with more hope than I've ever had in for comedy. Like since I probably moved to L.A. in 98. You know, when you're just dumb and ready to change the world. And, you, you know, you thought you had it understood and. You just love comedy and you were just running and gunning and, you know, you're like, we're going to have HBO specials and do movies and all that stuff. And, you know, right. you know, Mike, you went on to do a lot of that. I, I, I learned very early that me and the industry had just a different view of how everything worked. And what I didn't realize back then was like the blessings of my early career set up me for what I am today. But what was it? What was your early career? A lot, a lot of doors shutting in my face, a lot of like not connecting, uh, failure at big moments. And it just, it's just the story of Tripoli, you know, and it's just the way it went. I just, you know, I, I, from the beginning of my first time I started doing comedy, I realized I had to make stuff happen for me myself. Uh, even when I lived in Las Vegas at the time, there's three comedy clubs and they didn't let locals play. So I literally set up, I, I basically am credited with creating the Las Vegas comedy scene. When I started, oh. there was one open mic every other week. So then I blew it up and, you know, and I've always had to do that. And then there was just always these moments where like things could have popped off and it just didn't go my way at that time. And I learned very early that I just had to make it happen myself. But today 
today I believe that there's a there's more opportunity than ever for everybody. Like you know, when I started comedy, everybody wants Seinfeld. You know, everybody wanted you to be clean and observational, and that was just never me. But now I feel like there's room for everybody, and there's yes. so much you can make a really good living being your true self. And I think we're winning. I think seeing Shane Gillis on Saturday Night Live is a sign that our side is winning. And I'm, I couldn't be more excited for everybody. Yes, absolutely. But I forgot him. I forgot Shane and Matt McCusker and Theo Vaughn. And you're absolutely and right. Kill Tony but, and all those guys. Yeah, man. By the I way, mean, uh, by the way, you're absolutely right. We're winning. And and you know, you you. I remember when I really. After I did the documentary, which I I interviewed you for the comedy store documentary, and you oh I can't believe you're eating on the show. This is bullshit. Okay, I gotta I, I gotta sign off. I've never like <laughs> no, you can't do that, man. Let's you go. Let's go. Let's go. It's oranges. It's not really eating. It's oranges. Oh, go on. Jesus. I'm here. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna masturbate. That's it. Okay, that's cool. Go yeah, on, go, go on. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's got their little things. I didn't know, you know, slowly snacking was a big violation. My apologies. I'm I will. Totally I kidding. will. I will uh, totally... never do that again. No, when I when I after the you were so good on your interview. I, I have to say, I, I, and I didn't really know you well, but you were so clear, and you you were not afraid to say a goddamn thing. You know, you and Ari Shafir. I, I had all these comedians. Big name guys, you could tell they were doing a lot of dancing. And you and you and Ari Shafir just and then I when I decided to get into comedy, back into comedy after all those years and start a pot. I don't know if you remember, I called you and I said, Sam, that I want I want to do this. And you gave me such great advice and, and you did talk about you really put into my head that you know, there's so much room for everybody and so many voices and just be yourself and you can make a good living doing this. And you, you were so positive, whereas I got so much negativity. You, I cannot tell you how many people from my own family to my good friends and kind why would you do this yeah, at 65? So crazy, right? Why would you want to be a comedian? So crazy. You know, it was very interesting because I had at the time not been giving it an opportunity to interview with you for that. And that's probably, you know, I'd gone through my, my, my drug addiction at that time. And I, you know, I was canceling all the time at the comedy store and, you know, I brought that on myself very much. And I don't know why, man, but I just had a, uh, you know, I just relapsed and I was staying in a sober living and, uh, uh my, uh, my sponsor at the time, Jerry, uh, was like, come down to this meeting. And I, you know, I went there and lo and behold, there you were. And I, you know, I don't know if I just outed you on some stuff right there, but I can't I'm believe sorry, that you're eating on the podcast and you're telling people that I'm in AA. <laughs> you have any respect for me as a human being, Sam? <laughs> but dude, it's important because like, I, I wanted that moment so badly. I wanted that moment so badly to just talk to you because not just from, from a standup point of view, but you know, to talk about Mitzi and what she did for me. And like, I just really wanted to represent the, the dark time at the comedy store that, that I don't think anybody really truly understood how magical that time was from a business point of view. It was probably the worst time ever, but from an yeah. art point of view, it was probably the purest art has ever been of all time because there was no, nobody there to tell you this or this or this or this It's like the person in control really isn't running anything. And the guy who is supposed to watch us is in the back playing guitar, smoking pot. And we could go up there and bomb with such dignity. You could really take chances on stage. And like the people that were there at that time are guys who've gone on to do like insane things like Andrew Santino, Bobby Lee, Joe Rogan, like, well, Joe had left, but Joey Diaz and all these amazing people, even before Joe left, uh, you know, he was there too during some dark stuff and, uh, Brett Ernst, uh, Caparillo, we can just go on Brian Callen. I mean, I could go on forever. These amazing comics that just, 
you know, sharpen their knives in this area where they knew there was going to be no industry. You were lucky to have 40 people in the crowd if you were lucky and you could just work it out. So I always wanted to get in front of you. And then you showed me the kindness of letting me uh, do the show with you. So I I'm very grateful to you. Well, you know, the thing about it was uh, Jerry Dix, who I'll out him now since you outed me. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm breaking all the rules. Said I wanted you to, I want you to meet uh, Sam. I go, everyone talks about Sam, even in my interviews. I want to meet him. And, and uh, I knew you were going through some stuff personally. So, and, but I said, what the hell, you know? And you came down for the interview and my son, Bert, who you know well, yeah. who was the associate producer on that, after the interview, we both said, that was one of the best interviews we've done. And we had already done 60 interviews. I said, and, and Roger, our Nygaard, the editor, he just kept throwing you in everywhere because he said, he, he said the same thing I did. He said, Sam just knows how to say exactly the right thing with because he because he feels it. He, he's he's talking from he's telling the truth all the time, you know, and, I appreciate that. And, and, it, and you, I love it. Was, it. And yeah, it was a yeah, great you, series. You knocked it out of the park. You know, no, no, I mean, love the comedy store. You know, you could see that love you had for the comedy store and for the the world of stand up. I love it. It's the only, you know, for like, I'm gonna tell you something, dude. I, I like, I, I started comedy when I was 22 years old. I didn't start making good money till I was 43 years old. I mean, I, I was just very. It was, I was always a wild child, man. And like, I came from this kind of punk rock view of comedy, which we started in bars in Las Vegas, where we had to fight to get anybody to listen to us. And it was like a crazy transition where I was like, all the comics loved me and the suits were like, they didn't know what to do with me, but it was this journey and this journey. And I, I come to you right now with like, like I couldn't be happier. I'm about to shoot my, my third special, uh, on March third, I'm very excited about that. I got an hour of power, and uh, and where, it's just where like are you shooting it? Bourbon Room. Thanks to you pointing out that was a great place to go. I went down. Oh, that's saw great. It. March third, March third yeah. at the Bourbon Room. Our tickets yeah. for sale. Yeah, well, we're di we're discussing that, but yeah, they basically everyone. I already have people ready to fly out to come to the show. We're going to announce it, and then we're just going to hopefully pack it up. I just, you know, I, I'm excited. It's a really good hour that I've really honed. It's like uh, I created real quick just the it's, process. It's, wait, wait, just let me, let me, let me just hold on. Don't override the. It's and it's PG thirteen, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's. Well, I'm gonna be honest with you. No, it's not PG thirteen. But I'm, my, being, I'm being. I know. Sarcastic. I know. But I want yeah. you to know something though. My I, like sometimes when I start a new hour, I give myself like this, like I give myself a little like, Hey, a goal or a task or something to work on in that hour. Like, you know, I remember watching Ari Shafir go around and he was doing this great storytelling. So I was like, you know what? I want to learn how to tell stories. And so like, I remember I just put out an album. I'm like this hour, I'm going to be storytelling. I'm going to learn the art of storytelling. And I, I taught myself and now it's like, it's my main way of going uh, about telling jokes is through stories. I think storytelling is the highest form of comedy for me personally. So what I'm going to do in this next one is because, you know, Tom Rhodes always says that uh, I, I play at the front of the net. Like uh, when it comes to tennis, like I'm always in the front, like just pressing them. And what I want to do this next one will be to see if I can take the simple things of life and do it through my filter of how I see the world. So it's more of a relatability situation than constantly pressing it, you know? Sorry now, how that. long yeah. have you been working on the hour? About two years. That's great. I love it. I love it. I mean, what I'll makes the hour versus what you've come up with? I would love it, dude. It's, it, it's a real hour of just everything that happens in my life. And I just, I, I'm really proud of it. It's a funny ass hour, dude. And it's all true. And... <laughs> It's great. Sammy, I mean, Mike, the bourbon room's a perfect room for you to, to for thank you, buddy. I'm excited. I, and you get addicted when, when you shoot a special, all your fans come out and it's just like, it's super addictive. I get why people like start cranking out specials because it's like, it is a special moment. 
and you just everyone in the room is on your team and it's just this really fun moment of just knocking out of the park you know my first special was great you know listen i, I i'm a weird guy like uh, you know not a lot of people have seen my special on youtube everyone i know is getting like a million views and i'm not getting that at all is it the comedy maybe is it the shadow banning maybe i don't know so i think i'm gonna be release this on rumble too because i've been i think getting- it's a lot of it is that you eat on people's podcasts yeah, I think that's it. I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. I do 90 I'm podcasts. Just saying, I'm just saying, the guys that don't eat on people's bro, podcasts. You need, you need to get a million the rules. You should have the guy in the knit cap hit me up going, here are the rules. Okay. <laughs> here are the rules. Don't eat on his podcast. Okay. <laughs> no, he'll go. He'll go. And if you, if you start to eat, he's going to wank off. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, if you start eating rules. gorgeous, he's going knuckles up beating off okay <laughs> and that's how it's going which hey, is hey, Sammy, you know, i think i look at specials i i see them for us nowadays comedians they're they're albums they're the way musicians would do albums every year two whatever they this is their newest work they they'd lay it down in an album and i think that i don't i don't really i think special it's even though you're right they're special it's kind of the wrong word it's 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 the new the new album the new the new yes piece you know and um some people like you know they're obviously like a dave Chappelle is um you know netflix is demanding specials from you know for me it's just like i i i'm i like to drop specials when i'm like when i've done like the, you know all the dates and i kind of come through on a second time i'm like have they, they heard all these jokes okay it's time to get the, you know to put these on uh, on us on a special and start forcing myself to write new jokes because they can get really easy to tell the same jokes and crush all the time but i i feel like if you don't constantly keep growing as a comedian and constantly keep writing about what's going on in your life, you can fade away very easy. When you stop writing, it's not like music where Guns N' Roses never has to write another song again. They can just tour off Appetite for Destruction forever. Right. You know, but I have to, you have to constantly be writing. And, and I've seen this with comedians, uh, you know, not to say any names or anything like that, but your act has to grow with your life. Because your audience is growing with you. Like the audience you might have got when you were 20 something, you know, when you're 45, well, they're probably right around that age as well. And they're, they're different people going through different things. So your, your, your act constantly has to keep growing and it's not easy for everybody, you know, but this is it, you know, in my belief in this spiritual journey that I'm on right now in my life, I really do believe that everything that is worth anything you have to fight for and you have to you have to go through it to get to it and if it's really easy it's probably not the best thing for you and you just got to go through it everything must be earned it's like when you think about these monks in the highest of you know these hills like the things they have to sacrifice to reach that level of zen you know not everybody can do that they can do that that's that's life everything you want in life you have to kind of sacrifice for and i feel like when it gets, I, I had time where a month where I'm just like, none, none of these jokes are working. I'm having weird connections with the crowds. That's usually to me a growth spurt. You're about, especially when you're young, right? You'll do like, you'll be doing stand up and then you'll just get two weeks where like nothing's working. I go, oh, you're, you've probably outgrown your jokes. I, I, I think that happens to comics where you're on another level than this joke you wrote at this level. It's time to start writing some new level jokes and then you can come back and adapt those to your older. So it's a constantly you're, you're learning to be a Jedi. In my opinion, you're, you're learning Jedi tricks. That's all stand up is. Well, I, I agree. And also, you know, Neil Brennan in the doc said that the, if you look at the most successful comedians, they're the ones that write the most, you know, and he gave a list of them, and and I, you know, I I've never really heard him say anything all that interesting since then, but 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 <laughs> I, I mean I, I I listen, dude, I, I you know I got into big trouble. He, he's right, he was right on that. What I got into big trouble recently because um I was on Legion of Skanks. They were like Mitch Hedberg isn't funny. I but for me. I appreciate the spectrum of comedy and I can appreciate like, you know, when, when everybody's beating up Joe Coy for 
bombing on the Golden Globes. I go, oh, because that's a Neil Brennan gig. Neil Brennan can speak that language and know yeah. how to connect with those guys. Like everybody has a different, uh, you know, everybody's a little different. I like, and that's why I love it. Like one of my favorite comics of all time is Jeff Foxworthy. Like, and you know, yeah. my act couldn't be more different than that guy's act. But like, I appreciate oh, yeah. the masters. You know, well, well, stand up is like music. There's there's classical and there's jazz and there's this. But but Neil was right, and I, I you know I I was obviously teasing, you know. But, of but there's, Neil Neil was right. I mean, you the the ones you know the people that write their asses off are the ones that are really successful because not only because they keep giving their audience new stuff, but they keep growing as you know. And, and I you know when I was a kid and I was a stand up. For a while, I was really successful as a young guy. And then I just, it just, I, I got bored with it and I got into other things, but I stopped writing. And, and when I started up again, I realized the only way it's going to work for me is if I come at this really as a writer and I, and I, I'm writing, I write every day and I write. I, I write more. I don't get on stage enough with, to do all the writing that I do. I, I get that. It's a weird time in LA right now. It's a very COVID really changed everything. And LA's taking some time to get back to where it was. So it is hard to get that stage time. What, what happened to me during COVID was, you know, everything shut down and I was like, how am I, you know, how am I going to write these jokes? So I started a podcast with my friend Johnny Woodard. It's called Broken Simulation. And I, what I basically do is my goal is to come up with six stories from my week. And I mine them on the show. And we just go through them. And if I get a chuckle or, I, oh, okay, I'll take that to the stage. Because, you know, people are telling me that's what Bill Burr does with morning, morning his morning Monday morning podcast. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to do that. So. You know, I mean, we would go three hours sometimes just talking about our week. And I'm like, wow, man, we're we're really mining some good stuff here. And then I bring it to the stage. And that's my process now. Like, I mean, I, I never sit down and write jokes because I'm so insane. Like I am a like my drug problem extends from the fact that I really couldn't turn my head off and I need a break. But now I've learned to like harness it. So I'm constantly seeing that oh is that a joke is that a joke it's like you know it's like the beauty of doug stanhope right it's like i know if i if something happens to doug stanhope he instantly knows his take on it he can put it through a supercomputer and come out the end with a good funny doug stanhope 10 minute bit on it you know so yeah. that's kind of where you got to train your brain to get to it's like what is my point of view on everything that happens yeah yeah that's that uh, you're absolutely right and and I, but i how many how many podcasts do you have going right now? I, I think 111. Eight. Am I right? I have eight. I'm about to lose a couple. Really? Yeah. So, so the the cooking show is going down. And, cooking and, show, go go. It's uh, and, everything. Okay, it's you know, it's about things I want to learn most of the time. Uh, you know, I have a couple podcasts that you know, Tinfoil Hat changed my life, and then that. Then there's just offshoots of that, which is like Conspiracy Social Club, where I debate people, whether it's Brian Callen or my friend Dylan Wren. Uh, Broken Sim is just my joke writing, uh, storytelling show. Uh, and I just started something on Rumble called Doom Scrolling, where I just, there's so much great content creators in the, in the conspiracy world on TikTok and Instagram. And I basically do, you know, Jimmy Dore, what Jimmy Dore does with like the news I do with conspiracy TikToks and I just break them down and we discuss them. So and here's the thing. None of them are work really. I enjoy them all. Uh, they all feel like I have a spiritual podcast. I haven't done a while zero. I'll get back to that later, you know, but yeah, I'm going to get down uh, union of the unwanted. It's probably the best show on the internet, but yeah, I mean like I, you don't understand Mike, this is the truth. If I did none of this, I would just be talking to myself all day. Like I would just be, I just put a camera in front of me and just go. So I would be doing it anyways. I might as well make content out of it and try to make and pay for, you know, take care of my children. Well, I said this to Jerry Dix. I said, Sam is the perfect guy for this, this, the age of comedy we're in because, <laughs> because 
because he he knows how to just go. You know, he just knows. He did you ever know of a cartoon character, Vavoom? You know, who's Vavoom? He, I think he was, it was more my generation. He was just this little guy. He would go, Vavoom, and he would just a mountain would just go away. Yeah, that's me for sure. I can't turn it off. My head is constantly but, but going. By the way, I do say, I will say when I, one of the things when I came back to do the doc and I didn't know anything about podcasts, I'd never been on one. The first time I ever was on was Marin. He asked me to be on his thing and I, I had never even heard a podcast and, and all the guys from my era, Letterman, Leno, I'd talk to them about podcasts. They were like, hey, what the hell is that? You know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, but I started learning and watching all these guys. And one thing I noticed about all of you, all of you was that the podcasts were helping your act because it was making you all so fluid, spending an hour a week or two hours a week, three hours, whatever, Burr, eight hours, Logan, what, what? eight hours, eight okay, hours whatever. a week, what, whatever. It, it just, it was, it wasn't, a second lane. It was merging with the lane because you guys could go on stage and you just were easier on stage. Plus, like you said, Burr would come up with things on Monday morning, you know, and and then he'd turn it into an, a, 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 a routine or if, it, and, and I found I'm on episode 60 of this. I come up with bits and I do them with Patrick at the top of the show and and then I take it to the stage. So I love that, dude. Any comedian that right now that doesn't have a podcast, he's negotiating himself out of doing it. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And like, you know, so I'm going to tell I'm going to tell you a story right now that maybe I told you before when we had our talks. But this is a literal story that I told Theo Vaughn. And six months later, he calls me up. He goes, you changed my life, man. And I told this to a bunch of people. And some of them listen, some don't. And this is... Uh, By the way, is that story. your Theo Vaughn impression? Yeah, man, you changed my life, man. <laughs> That's it, right there. And uh, it's a story of my friend Jordan Lee. And Jordan Lee was like everybody in L.A., just super talented, but trying to make <clears throat> ends meet. And it was going, it was hard. And uh, one day he's catering and he sees this guy is doing a, a travel vlog. He knows the dude through whatever he, he listens to his podcast or something like that. So he starts talking to guy, guys telling, oh, yeah, I do this travel vlog. It's real fun. So Jordan Lee goes home and checks out the guy's YouTube channel. He's like, whoa, this is cool. I'm going to try it. So Jordan goes really, really aggressive with it. He starts doing a travel vlog almost every day of L.A., just going around L.A., finding all the cool things. Two years later, he's traveling the world, paid for it by his Google AdSense money, and he just bought a house in Tampa like two years ago. He's a content creator. And I tell this to everybody, you know, YouTube, podcasting, and even Instagram or TikTok are the underground railroads to career and financial freedom. And if you're not doing it, if you're not doing it, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. You have to find things that you're very, uh, that you love to talk about. And I did, again, going yeah, back you to- did. You told me the same story. I, I don't want to say speech, but that's what you told me. When I called you and told you that I wanted to get back into stand-up. Yeah. And this is how it goes. And like I'm very blessed to be part of the, you know, Brian Redband and Joe Rogan's death squad, which was like the or the earliest of this kind of movement. You know, I wouldn't say you know, outside of Howard Stern, maybe Opie and Anthony, but they were still on corporate radios, you know. This is the first time you started seeing people doing their art for themselves and not to you know uh, impress the suits like we were just raw we were really really raw and real and like and from that sprouted so much stuff ari ends up moving to new york joins legion of skanks they blow up and it's just like and here we all are like being the most real authentic ourselves, connecting with people in a way that maybe we weren't allowed to before. And I would actually tell you that now, thanks to podcasts, the more authentic you are on your, on your podcast with your wins and your losses, your strengths and your weaknesses, 
the more you connect with your crowd. Like, I, I feel like before it was like way back in the day when I grew up, you know, 70s and 80s watching Hollywood. You know, you didn't know too much about these guys outside and these ladies outside of when a movie came out. But that was it. But today in, in this day and age, it's about being as real as you possibly can. Some people might think too real, too authentic, giving away too many secrets. But I think that's the beauty of right now. And it makes it really hard for legacy anything to compete with that because you know they're worried about what sponsors think and all that stuff whereas in podcasting the sponsors are are are, are co-signing on what you're doing so it, it's right. a it's a i have more hope for everything this is the greatest time ever and like as we start to see cancel culture dying i think i think we're going to get to a point where everyone gets made fun of and then we get to this place where we're all kind of one once we've all kind of made fun of each other it will get kind of boring and i think we'll get to a place where we're going to be a lot more kumbaya with each other but telling you oh you can't make fun of this person or that and there's like like all this political correctness it, uh, has so much fine print just to make white women comfortable in my opinion so it's like yeah. there's so many rules to it and that you can't take it like if there was a set rule for everybody i'd follow it but there's not so I, 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 oh, these rules mean nothing. If you're, you know, Good it's point. so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it really is. But it, listen, I don't, I don't take any of it serious. Part of it is, you know, like I say, I'm, I'm at an age that what, what are you going to do to me? You know, exactly. What, what are you going to do to me? And, you know, I've failed so much in my life that I'm not afraid of failure, you know, and I also, to me, I I do find a lot of it as a joke. I, I I exactly what you said. A lot of this, all this societal stuff is it's such a two tier system. It's so whack. Some things are good. Some things, are, and I also I just really like to make people laugh. And I think that if we don't if we if we don't have a sense of humor, and if so many things are off the table, you know we're going to be making lint. And laundry sock jokes and, yep. and, and no one's going to be laughing, you know? Yeah. So, so it, it, we have to just keep keeping these lanes open with pushing the boundaries, you know? And, and, and like you said, I, I don't, I don't feel that's the, the best part about, it. I don't feel competition with anybody anymore. And Me I, too. and I, and I'm, I, I'm trying so hard to stay out of any kind of corporate world. You know, I, the movie I'm making, I, I'm making it with some really cool people, really independent people, the people that made Sound of Freedom, you know, and, and it's a really cool film, you know, with great actors. And I got a call yesterday, I don't want to get into it with, they tell me that one of the lead guys, you know, uh, you know, a lot of the studios aren't working with this guy anymore. I said, I don't care. Yeah. I don't fucking exactly. care. He's a great, he's a great fucking actor, <laughs> you know? And, and, and then I spoke to the, the main financier and, and studio, the independent guy. And he's like, I agree. Fuck them. Yes. <laughs> you know? And, and that's to me, I want to be in that world. Now I want to be in the world that goes by talent and character and gut and, and I don't, I don't think you can do that in a corporate world today, right now. I think you've got to be in, you've got to be out on your own. And, and you've also, and you and I have spoken about this, you've got to let people have different opinions than you. You know, you can't be looking for people to, you know, I'll give you a really good example. Bobby Kennedy, who's a really good friend of mine, and Dave Smith were getting along really great. And then they had a fall, uh, they had a difference of opinion, I guess. Not even they didn't have a fallen out, but they were on different sides of the coin on the on the Israel Palestine thing. And rather than not, they had this great debate and they talked it out. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's an yeah. hour and a half, and it's so smart. They both and, you know, they got into it and I loved it. And, and at the end, you know, Bobby said, hey, I still disagree with you, but 
you'd be, I'd like you to be a VP, you know, and, yeah. and you know, you're, you're a smartest fucking guy I know, Dave. And Dave said, Hey, I, I think you're great too. And, and, you know, it was like, I love it that people, we need to get back to being, it's okay to disagree with each other. It's okay. We don't have to hate each other because we, because eight things we agree with and two, we don't. I totally agree. 100% and somehow being offended has become a felony now and I just don't understand it and you know you know my biggest thing with cancel culture has always been like you, you know you, you're seeing all these comics now and I don't want to get into it with anybody but like these people that used to just be like just savages now for some reason are like well you know maybe we shouldn't be mean on I'm like you're closing doors maybe behind we you be what we shouldn't be mean, you know, oh, you know, if you, if you're and make it, if you're offending the crowd, you're doing all this, you're not doing your job. And I'm like, dude, I know you, I've seen what you used to do. That's, that's you closing the door behind you. And I'm not here to throw anybody under the bus, but you know, it's like our job is to provoke thought in my humble opinion. Yes. Our job is to make people laugh, but our, our job in this, in these crazy times is to be a lighthouse and to see a shit. That's my honest belief. Like people are looking for some common talk and common, and that's what the comedians are supposed to do. We are the gestures. Well, some We're of them, supposed some to... of them. I mean, you, you no, got okay. Okay. I can get into that too. I agree. Yeah. Like I break down comics into three groups, Mike. Okay. And none of these are negative. They might sound negative. They are not. There no no judgment on any of these. There's three types of comics in my biz, in my opinion. There's clowns, there's shit talkers, and then there's outlaws. Okay, and, and the clowns they just want to make you laugh. It, it, it's like the very safe, fun stuff. They tend to play arenas and all that stuff, and they're great. Okay, they're great. Then there's the shit talkers who are just kind of like like to take chances. They're seen as kind of dangerous by the industry. Uh, they're a little edgy, like a Bill Burr, let's say, is like a shit talker. And then on the outside is the outlaws, the the Brian Holtzmans, the uh, Doug Stanhopes, the Joey Diaz. I, I like to throw myself in there as well. And they, they just they just want to fucking bring the chaos, and that's what they're really all about. And there's room for everybody now. That's the beauty of it. Like when I see Brian Holtzman is headlining, I go, you know, comedy is winning. Art, the art of comedy is winning. Now, if we are all Brian Holtzman, it would be awful because that me because Brian wouldn't be unique. We need a Brian. And on the other spec, uh, other end of the spectrum is a Bobby Lee, and we need Bobby Lee, right? Bobby Lee is, has a great role in what he does. But that's the beauty of comedy right now. Everybody has a place and there's a fan base for it, but you wouldn't want everyone to have to do the same thing. Yeah, My biggest no, problem I, right now in comedy, Mike, to be honest with you, and maybe it's not, there's nothing you could do about it, but I just feel like so much of comedy right now, particularly on, on Instagram is like everyone's become demographic mascots now. Like that's my biggest issue. It's like yeah. this kind of plug and play. You're like, I'm a Mexican. I'm a dad. I'm a dad. And you know, and it's just like, that's great. But it's just, it's just, I, I get it, man. I get it. I just, for people like me that don't fit into any box, it makes it a little harder, but that's fine too. But everyone's just a demographic mascot and that's fine well They're, well you got a thing you got to you you're in that mentally challenged kind of yeah, thing well, you know, by the, the way guy, the downs the guy, are crushing the guy that's not, have you, you know, seen the, the downs lately they the loose, are crushing loose wheel that, that could that's going to be in a post office shooting people any week now yeah ice ice spice is the most bangable downs ever to walk the earth have you seen her i'm i'm talking to the youth that watch your show ice yeah. spice is just she's She's got the downs and she's super hot. And uh, yeah, it's like, yeah. what a time to be alive. That's a demographic that's got their day in the, in the sun. No, too. My favorite thing that you do on, on Twitter, if you, if you don't follow Sam on Twitter, you're missing out because Sam just picks people go, and it's just one word, wood. <laughs> W-O-U-L-D. Yeah. Wood, wood. Yeah. Wood and wooden. Wood, you know, downs, and, and it's just like, it's just, you know, it's a classic joke. Classic. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best. I'm, I'm amazed how picky guys are. Yeah. Oh, you got oh, these oh. shredded chicks. Are like, no way. Got a lot bro. of liars. A lot of liars out there. Yeah. I like saw this one that you saw too. 
this guy, this girl was so buff, worked out. She was awesome. And the guy goes, if you, if you're into this girl, you're gay. And I'm going, which line do I get in to be gay? Yeah. 100% bro. You know, 100%. Yeah, man. I, I like, I, I love the internet. You know, it's like, I, I'm doing this show on rumble now called uh doom scrolling and I'm not shadow banned there. It's like such an amazing feeling, you know, it's just because I'll do like, like I just did Adam Carolla or I'll do Dave Landau show. They'll get a hundred thousand views. Then I go do my show seven. Like they got me down to seven thousand. I have a hundred and forty. That is. Why do you think that? Because okay, I I I mean, there back in the day when conspiracy was really popping off, my channel got like some like hidden check on it, like x on it and they just won't forgive me and it's just like i'm like even though i pulled off all my cons all my conspiracy off of youtube they won't allow daddy to dance and so that's why i'm excited about twitter like you know twitter's even do a little shadow banning on me too but yeah rumble show me yeah. i got a hundred thousand views on something it has been four or five years before since i had a video get a hundred thousand views on because they just like bam you and which is really crazy because jimmy Dore brings it up is like that's kind of like you know youtube has become the main street of digital commerce like in a, in a weird way for content creators it is it is the place where everyone goes to get views and if they shadow ban you for any reason it really hurts your business and it's like and jimmy Dore talks about that's like the phone company in the 70s telling you oh your business can't use a phone that would be death to your business at that but what time. about rumble what about rumble? rumble's great that's what i'm saying like i got i got a hundred thousand views on my first video ninety thousand views on my second video because it wasn't featured in the editor's choice but it's still 90 to 100 thousand on a video i'll take that any day because but because i have to tell you twitter i think is still Funky. I I had like seventy one hundred. It was great, and then it got weird. Yep. I had seventy, and and all of a sudden it was down to like nine thousand. And it because what happened was before Elon did, I was pushing Bobby's book, Fauci, the Fauci book, and I got I know I got put on some do not fly zone, and I've yeah. never I haven't I haven't been able to go over five more viewers followers since then, and. Even with Elon taking over, they haven't taken me off that list on Twitter. Yeah, it's it's crazy to me. And it's just putting your thumb on the competitive balance. I mean, like Instagram is doing that with comedy. Like they let's just say they've allowed the the simple, the keep it simple, stupid comics uh to thrive on there. And, you know, they let people who want to press and take chances, they've throttled their 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 views. And it's just just the way it is that's why i'm excited about rumble i think rumble is a chance uh, peter thiel is you know peter thiel's you know you hear him he he wants to start a olympics where everyone can do drugs where they can do all the drugs <laughs> and they can compete against each other you know so i think it's very interesting and you know what about peter getter have, have you have you signed up with getter no, I mean, like, here's the whole thing. It's like how deep, like, I, before that, I, I still am posting on rockfin.com, F-R-O-K-F-I-N.com. -O they love the content that's edgier. They want that stuff. You know, bit shoot, same thing. Um, a bunch of them, uh, I, I'll put the, uh, the edgier stuff on. But, like, YouTube just won't let me dance no matter what I do, and it just sucks. And at some point, you're just going so deep into I, – I, I say pick – like, for me, I was like, should I become Snapchat's, like, number one comic? Be just put all my all my content in Snapchat and just try to, like, crush it. Well. You know? I mean, what is just, it? I don't what even – Patrick? I hear they pay well. I, I should do it. I mean, I don't even know who's on Snapchat – Except for except for like OnlyFans models and stuff like that, but that's a great demographic to crush with, <laughs> right? It's I mean, really funny. I think you know. I know that Whitney tried to get a lot of uh, comedians to do OnlyFans, but uh, I'll tell you what—that's never going to work because ever comedian people fans can't say to their wives, "No, no, no! I, I I'm signing up for Mike Binder's channel. It has nothing yeah. to do with." with 100%. big tits on a saturday 
Yeah, I'm with you on that for sure. And it's just like this weird kind of coming out of this Me Too movement where like everything is like, oh my God, there's all these like predators everywhere. Then they're like, follow me on OnlyFans now too, where it's like, listen to my comedy and you'll see some chick like taking on like five dragons at the same time. You know, it's just like, it's it's a really weird thing. And I, I don't, I mean, they got so much money. Why not take a shot at, but it's just, it's never gonna like, I know a guy who wants to start a comedy club slash strip bar. And I'm like, it's never going to work because women aren't going to want to go there. They're just not going to want to go there with their man and then see a hot. And then they're like, it's very interesting. So, yeah, I mean, it might work with some people, but I think overall, it's just like you guys, it's a porn site and it's its own thing. And that you just for some i mean i used to have the naughty show where we do like we'd write sketches with adult film stars and it was really funny but it's just like that it's not for everybody it's just not and even though you see female comics do like hours on their snatches like a whole hour on their snatch which is great women women will enjoy that but when guys do it it becomes like some weird kind of creepy thing and it's just the way it is it's like this psychological mind i don't know if you know this sam but at you know, in the early two thousand, about two thousand one, when Sex in the City was huge, and they and they that 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 show was just one scene after another, women just talking, sucking dick in bathrooms and this and that. I had a show called Mind of the Married Man on HBO. Yeah, I love that. And, and people were and, and the reviews were like, how these fucking men? This is the most puerile, stupid, independent. Mike, I remember I, that. And, and they they just ripped us to hell. And and uh, Bobby Slayton was on the show, and he would he 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 brought all these porn stars on as 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 a character. He said had this thing, and I took so much shit for bringing them on the show. And they were so nice, by the way. This was, and it was like, it's like, wait a minute, have you watched Sex in the City? This is one hundred percent. It's just, this is the reality of the situation. I mean, we can get into the cultural things of that. Women are allowed to be as freaky as they possibly can be. And guys have to be like these kind of like sexless robot. It's like a really weird thing that's going on right now. It's like my biggest, like, you know, I watch these YouTube videos and it's just like, it's good looking black guys talking to drunk white chicks about like, how much your body count women are like 300. It's always 300, by the way. I don't know. That seems to be like in the lab. That's the number they think guys are okay with. And by the way, we're not okay with that number at all. 300 is not a number we like. Right. Nobody wants to hear your body count. A woman bragging about her body counts like a guy bragging about how much, how in debt he is. Nobody wants to hear that number. Okay. That, that's exactly, that's exactly right. In fact, here, I, I want to show you this thing here. Uh, let, let me, let me find this from yesterday. It, but, but it, 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 it's so funny because for some reason they really think that they do. And, and I also think when you said that thing about, you know, so much of this is just making white women comfortable. It's yeah. It it, it it's sadly it's young white liberal women. It, it's yes. and it's it it's just it's so bizarre because you know they're just going to grow out of so much of this. So yeah. much of it is just because they're young, yeah. you know. And everybody's and, and, trying and I, to get down their pants, and so they have this kind of like like Bill Burr says this weird kind of like caesar and rome emperor kind of power because everyone has to deal with them and they're just like i don't i like i don't like you know yeah that's why i love matt rife by the way i love matt rife uh he's a i've had him in my shows he brings a very interesting demographic but they come to laugh man i'll be honest with you you walk out there's a bunch of young hot chicks and they're laughing at some pretty dark shit and you can say whatever you want about tiktok and and what social media has done to everybody but I mean, it's really opened their eyes to a lot of shit. Like, I mean, I don't know what algorithm you have on on Twitter, but your algorithm includes snuff films. That's all I know. Like, everybody, <laughs> you'll be watching. You're like, well, did that guy just die? I'm trying to look at kittens, okay? I want to watch I kittens and karate videos, and a guy just got ran over by a bus. What, and it's like, why is this here? I mean, like, what is going on? It's like that I morbid know. facts account. It's always yeah. popping up. 
Yeah. It's so crazy. Like people literally die on Twitter. You're like, look at this. Watch this. This is, this is, um, this is, this is something that I, I found yesterday and I put up. Yeah. I walked down to the lobby. Wait, what? User came down with chlamydia, syphilis, gonorrhea, and assorted <laughs> anal warts. Her passport and wallet were stolen. And, and is that and, real? No, no. Oh, that'd be and so. And three hilarious. sex acts were secretly recorded and are available on YouPorn. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's my biggest thing with women. They try to act like getting laid is somehow accomplishment. Like they've somehow got a black belt in jujitsu or they climbed to the top of Mount Everest. It's like literally the easiest thing in the world. It's the easiest thing in the world. It's unbelievable to me. And it's just like that woman, like what, what that woman doesn't understand now is like, Every time she meets a nice guy, that video is going to be sent to her by her family, by his family, or one of his boys, and be like, hey, you're, you, just so you know, your girlfriend was the Paris town bike, and everyone got a ride. Absolutely. <laughs> it wasn't right? even a rental. It was yeah, just free. Right? It, was it, just, it, bike it was just a bike against the pole. It was just a bike in the park that people just picked up and took a, for a stroll. It's unbelievable to me. It's just, it's this weird, stupid flex. And I mean, we can get into that whole thing. Like, it's just like, I think humanity's like, all these chicks are now OnlyFans models. And like, again, you did shows with adult film stars in comedy. I did shows with adult film stars in comedy. They're very much outlaws. Most of them come from really bad backgrounds and they're just trying to figure out a way to, you know, change their family's fortunes. And there was a time where they did it and some of these girls are making money on OnlyFans. But what you don't understand is like, that's like the spiritually, it's low vibrational, dude. It's just, and when you do that stuff, you let it, you, you push away high vibrational people, especially men that you would probably be able to be date, marry, have children with. You push them out and you only let in the crazies. And all these chicks who would like would normally be Vikings that would be, per, uh, you know, producing amazing human beings are now going to be hooking up with fucking low vibrational people. And we're just going to have this race to the bottom. It's just it's just weird. Like, again, that's my biggest problem with a lot of uh, what's going on in Hollywood is like they've ran out the outlaws, all the outlaws, all the crazy people. There's this weird thing where. We all have to kind of be like politicians now and hide our secrets when in reality, like what makes us weird makes us entertaining. And, you know, all these like, you know, Sam, you know, Red Fox was around today. Would he have any chance of making it with all all the stories of drugs and women and all that stuff? And it, should we not have a, a Fred Sanford? I mean, like, no, or, you know, no, Red Fox. No. And, I, and I, I agree with you, you know, but by the same token. Sometimes you, you can't fight the, 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 the flow of, of the planet and you just yeah. have to do your thing. And I, and I, I do think you said something at the very beginning, you said we're winning. And yeah. I do think in a lot of ways we're, we're winning and, and common sense is, is going to win out. And it's like, and I had this, this, this whole great conversation with the guys that are making my movie. I was like, don't, we don't, don't chase yesterday's system. Don't, don't chase the old studios and the old ways to do it. Yes. You guys had this major hit with, with your last movie. Don't, and don't, don't go back to the old center of town with, with these buildings that are having trouble selling out offices, you know? They're, they're just no, empty skyscrapers, you know, go I to agree. the new world and adapt and, or die. You're and winning. I think that, 
And listen, I I really do believe that that change is coming, and a lot of people are going to get tired of being sheep. That's what's what's happened. You see a lot of and a lot of comedians, a lot of very very well known and famous comedians, they're just sheep. They're sheep. Yes, they are. And, it's and, so and they're crazy. Gonna, they're going to get tired of being sheep. You know, it's it's and how I, quickly you know, can you conform now? And they get really mad when you don't conform. That's the weirdest thing to me. Like when I started comedy and you see somebody who was just a juggernaut, a crit, you know, it's like when Doug Stanhope came into town in Vegas, it was a big event because we knew he was just going to go for it. And we just celebrated that. And like, again, going back to Instagram and it's in Mark Zuckerberg's thumb on the competitive balance of comedy. It's like, you're starting to see that on like YouTube and all this stuff. It's like, okay, you get some great people, obviously like Andrew Schultz and all those great comics get through. But there, if you're not a well-known guy who's doing some, it's really hard. You got to find your, your way. But like in Jurassic Park, where they're like, life finds a way. You can find a way. There is a way. You can find your crowd. You just gotta, you just have to figure it out. And I just think that we're, we're the comedians. We are the gestures and we're supposed to question stuff. And some people just want to conform. And I, it's great for them, but I, it's, I can't do it. It just, no, it's not my DNA. I, 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 I will say, guy. I will say, I'll let you go. Cause I know you got things to do and, you want you gotta go. I gotta go I gotta your, eat some oranges. Oh man, I told him. That's it. I gotta That's eat it. oranges, dog. I'm gonna wait till we're done and respect you. No, I, go ahead, eat. I'm. I no, you're great. Joking. This is great, hey, listen, Mike. You, you, I, you, you. I'm really grateful for guys like you being out there, and 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 I love what you're doing. I I love your act, and 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 I really uh, listen, man. We're, we're all lucky it's a great time to be doing this and best time to be alive and it's yep, the best and if you if you look if you if you look if you live in a life of gratitude there's always something to be grateful for and what i'm grateful for is i'm not a sheep <laughs> so you know no mike you know you're what? doing great in, in, in the end in, in, when 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 tough times come sheep always get fucked or eaten yep I love that. that. I love that. In tough times, sheep get fucked or eaten. And, and you get left or behind. Both. Bro. Or both. Yeah. yeah. That'd be the worst. Is to get <laughs> fucked then eaten. That'd be the worst. Eat me first. Yeah. Hey, March 3rd. Let's March go. 3rd. What, is, what night of the week is that? That's a Sunday night. It's going to be called, uh, qu it's called Quiet. The actual, the actual name of the special is Why Y'all Getting Quiet. But it's gonna be called quiet. All right, I'll be there Sunday night, folks. Sunday night at the Bourbon Room. I think maybe one of the finest rooms for stand-up comedy in this country. I really love that room, and to see Sam Tripoli film his third special, what a treat! What a treat! I'm so Thank excited. You. Thank you, buddy. I love okay. you. Thanks for love having you, me on. Sammy. You're doing the Lord's work. You're the best. All right. Sam Tripoli, that was great. I, that guy's out of his mind. I got to tell you, he's out of his mind. But March 3rd, March 3rd, he's at the Bourbon Room. And he's got his buddy, Eddie. I think it's Eddie Bravo is opening for him. Oh, really? That's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be down there just watching and laughing. So also, I want to say two things. One. Next Wednesday night, I'm downtown at the Million Dollar Theater for the RFK fundraiser with Tim Dillon and Bobby Lee and Adam Carolla and Erica Rhodes and Trey Stewart. And I know I'm forgetting someone else. Damn it. Rob Snyder. And it's hosted by Cheryl Hines, Mrs. Kennedy, who's a great comic herself. Or not, she's not a stand-up, but she's a comic actress, but she's awesome. It's a great show. It's a fundraiser at a great theater downtown. Uh, you can get your tickets right there at uh, RFK uh, 
whatever.com or whatever it's right there on the on you put it on the screen if you would that'd be nice and more important not more important as important i am bringing back i've told you about my detroit comedy jam special i did in 1985 for hbo and and then we made it a regular yearly a bi-yearly event downtown detroit we did them in all kinds of theaters we're now bringing it back at the Cambria Hotel, and the, we're going to do it monthly. We're raising money for Mitch albums. Albums uh, have faith, orphanage in Haiti, and we're going to just be bringing in a lot of comedians and having fun. This the first one is with Howie Mandel, who was in the special with me, and John Stamos, and Heather J who's a fantastic comedian, another Detroiter. And that is two nights, March 8th and 9th. Two nights, March 8th and 9th. Two shows, 7 and 9.30. Get your tickets at DetroitComedyJam.com. And if you're in Detroit, support this. It's a good event. It's good for Detroit. It's good for... Mitch, it's good for me. It's good for stand-up. It's good for Canada. What else can I say? <laughs> I don't even it's good. Windsor. People from Windsor are coming, I guarantee it. Anyway, that's our show. Next week we have an amazing guest. Amazing guest. Can't wait. Thank you so much. Check us out on Apple, Spotify. StandUpWorld.com, Spotify, I mean, uh, Substack, and um, a lot of the massage parlors play us on the wall sometimes as, you, as, you, as, as you're finishing up. <laughs> I don't even, sometimes I just say shit. It's just pretty obvious. <laughs> anyway, I love you. Thanks a lot. You're the best. Thanks for coming.